For more than 30 years, the Australian government, under the cover of bather protection, has been brutally and indiscriminately killing sharks, right next to where people, like myself, swim, surf and live. Right offshore lay nets and baited hooks the size of your head designed to catch and kill sharks in an archaic attempt to stop shark attacks. So do they work? How is this legal? Does the public know about it? And most importantly, how do we have a say in it? If you're Australian, your taxes are paying for sharks to be killed. If you're not Australian but you visit Australia, they use you as an excuse to keep this program going. I grew up on beaches where this happens and I have been powerless in fighting against this system because the public fear of sharks is so strong. This year, a documentary showcasing for the first time the ins and outs of this government-run shark cull will be released. The film is called Envoy Shark Cull, and it was created by my friend Andre Burrell. When I met Dre, he wasn't a conservationist. He'd never even dove with a shark. He merely jumped into this project with a desire to change the way Australians looked at this program, and the end result is one of the most unreal and shocking documentaries I've ever seen. With seven years of covert footage that has been gathered to expose the truth, eyewitness accounts of human deaths in the water, and the complete exposure of the failings of the Australian government, I got Dre on the podcast to not only talk about the SCP, aka Shark Control Program, but how we can make sure the world sees this amazing film. Good morning, Dre, and thank you for agreeing to chat with me today about your brand new film, Envoy Shark Cole. Thank you, Pip. I'm looking forward to it. And thank you for having me. And thank you for being part of the film. Of course. Um, I'll never forget. I was actually at the airport just coming back from Indonesia when I got your first email. And it was one of the weirdest emails I've ever gotten. And you were like, hey, I'm making a film about the shark nets. Would love you to be involved. Also, if you ever need to borrow a red, I have a red and it was, just, it was just like some random stranger emailing me, offering me like a $40,000 camera for use at any time. I was like, who is this person? We've had this argument before. There was a reason for that. You had on your website that you're like looking to upgrade and you want a red. And I was like, well, I'm not giving you a red, but you can use it. There was a reason for that. You make me sound so weird, but yeah, uh, cool. Good story. <laughs> no, good, no, no. good start. No, I, I love it. It was just like... I guess I'll get a lot of, you get a lot of emails and every now and then you get a random one like that. And, you know, there's been lots of people that have made films on shark nets, myself included, but this is a bit different because what you've created here is an actual documentary that has gone to cinemas at the moment and sold out suddenly and will eventually be available for people to watch on some kind of streaming platform, right? Yeah, exactly. So first of all, stoked you actually replied replied to that email. I wasn't <laughs> sure a big shot like you would, but um, yes, uh, thank you for replying and thank you for being part of it. You've been most helpful through the whole the whole thing. And yeah, look to to touch on the film. I think, um, yeah, it has ended up being a full feature length documentary and having some amazing people in it, and it's, and it, it's doing some big things and. You know, at the time I sent you that email, which was 
fairly early in the process, it, it grew from then. Like from what I was picturing and what we were actually working on at that time, it then just exploded and took on a life of its own. And, and it probably has ended up uh, being bigger and better than we had originally planned for. We, we still wanted to do something feature length. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like getting, getting all of the amazing cast, everyone who's in it to agree, some of the storylines that came out of it. Um, I don't want to say any spoilers, but some of the threads we pulled at and then, and then the storylines that came out of it were not, not expected. Eric Bannon narrating it, not expected. So yeah, from that email, like a lot's happened. It's been a long, hard road, but I think, I think it's turned into something that can be really good for this issue. And uh, like you say, we're selling out cinemas and, and hopefully uh, sooner rather than later it's on streaming platforms and we make, we make some noise. So it's also like one of those things where we don't know how much of an effect the film could have, which is really exciting because it's done, done better than um, I guess we expected. And it could, it could actually be, well, it is the first time that the Australian public's going to have something like this to see and do you think that your general australian is going to be really shocked when they see this film i think i think you're 100 percent right this is going to be the first time the general public sees it like obviously us ocean lovers and shark lovers we know we know what the program is but but the general public do not this is going to be the first time and that was a conscious that was a conscious decision like that's why we went looking for a narrator with a name and a voice that that the, that the australian public would know uh, and would bring kind of people outside of that conserva- conservation community in to watch it. And there's been a lot of other very conscious decisions along the way to give it a broader appeal um, than, than you know, uh, other projects uh, might have had. So uh, it will shock people. And that's why we went to the effort of doing those things and making this, making sure this would appeal uh, to, to a, I guess, a bigger audience is because we knew that when people see it, they their jaws will be on the ground. They will be completely shocked and completely disgusted at, at what's going on. So for us, the challenge was never how do we make this program seem bad or seem like it's a big deal or seem like it's outdated. That's a given. Like that is an absolute free kick. That's obvious. The key for us was how do we get that seen by the Australian public uh, because they won't stand for it. They didn't stand for it in WA when it was a new program. In 2014, uh, obviously, which you know very, very well. Maybe we can go into that. But um, they didn't stand for it then because it was a new program. But the challenge here is how do you, how do you make everyone realise that the exact same thing, probably worse, uh, because there's more target species and so on and so forth. Worse is going on and has been going on for 83 years on the east coast of Australia. And no one knows about it. So we have this potential for people to actually do something about it now because up until now it has really been quite a hidden thing and people just don't know what's going on. So I guess it's going to be really, really exciting to see how people react to it. I personally have been out to the nets um, a handful of times, a lot when I was quite younger. I grew up on the Gold Coast, so I've been right next to where the shark nets are. And I've seen some horrific stuff in there, like dolphins and stingrays and all kinds of animals get caught. I mean, they're called shark nets, but they caught all... They catch all sorts of animals, and I feel like if the Australian public saw that, it would be a bit of a shock. So I'm pretty excited for that. For anyone listening, can you describe what a net and a drumline actually looks like? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really good question. I always skip past this because I've been 
in this topic for like nearly two years now and I feel like, um, yeah, sometimes I assume knowledge, which I shouldn't do. So, yes, a shark net is a fishing net. It is not a barrier. It does not keep sharks away from people. It is a fishing net. In New South Wales, it's 150 metres long, six metres high, and it's bottom set. Uh, so, And it's bottom set in around 12 metres of water. So it only covers half the water column, specifically the bottom half of the water column. And it's only 150 metres long. When you look at a bay like Bondi, um, it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of metres across, and you've got this little 150-metre net, so it's comically small. In Queensland, they're 183 metres long. 30 metres longer, still comically tiny, uh, and they are top set, they're surface set, again, only six metres deep in 12 metres of water. So in Queensland, sharks can swim under them and around them. Once again, not a barrier, doesn't return to the beach. It's literally just a gill net, a fishing net placed uh, 500 metres from shore in the hope of catching, entangling and killing sharks, although they're much more effective at killing other things. Uh, Drumlines are a large fishing hook so they used to be called shark lines that the terminology is kind of um, developed but all of the terminology is just a pretty dark fancy term for fishing hook it hangs from a bright yellow uh, bright yellow boy so that they can be seen from shore and so people can feel safe and they know there's something out there protecting them uh, but they're essentially a large industrial shark fishing hook with uh, bait on them uh, designed to attract sharks and, and hopefully hook them so that's the basics of how they work. Now, I won't go too much into all the reasons why that's wrong just yet. I'm sure that'll, that, that will get there. But, uh, yeah, essentially we are fishing for sharks 500 metres from our most popular swimming uh, and surf breaks in Queensland and in New South Wales. That is just crazy that they are 500 metres offshore. Like I've seen them, but hearing that, like you can swim out to these things and to think that, that much damage is being done so close, but we're still so unaware of it is is just crazy. And for the people listening, just to put it into some perspective, Queensland, which is one state in Australia alone where I grew up, has 27 nets and 383 drum lines in the water year round aiming to catch sharks. Exactly right. And, and sometimes they're not even, this is the scary part, sometimes they're not 500 metres from shore. So they always want to set them in about 12 metres of water. So if you've got a drop off or, a, or a, um, some sort of geological feature that means 500 metres from shore, it's too deep to set them, they'll set them closer. Just yesterday, I drove past some uh, on the boat uh, on North uh, Stradbroke Island and they are... <sighs> I would guess 200 metres from shore there because it drops off and it's too too deep to set them further out. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're right near shore. And you've got to remember these things are baited. There's, there's bait designed to attract sharks on these hooks that close from a swimming break and uh, a surf break. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing and you really can't comprehend it. We try and do it justice in the film, but you really can't comprehend it until you're out there and you see it and you're like, there are surfers right there. Like, what are we doing with baited hooks in the water? Snapper as well, uh, one of our most iconic surf breaks. They, they are, they're closer to shore there as well. So scary stuff. Let's talk about that for a minute because a little bit of my job involves actually putting bait in the water to try and get sharks around to swim with them, which is essentially what the Queensland government's doing and the New South Wales government is doing off these beaches. So you've, like you just said, these are baited hooks to protect people swimming that are placed right near where people are swimming. And anybody that knows sharks knows that, for an example, a great white could could swim in and 
not take the bait off that hook and just be attracted by that smell, but then go to seek out something different. I mean, that's in their nature. And it's not just the baited hooks. One of the most shocking things about the shark nets is the bycatch. So all the stuff that gets caught in the nets, even the sharks. And then I was reading about some of the cases of predation on these animals. So imagine you've got a stingray, swims in, gets caught in the net, gets tangled, dies, or is still alive. That's bringing in sharks to actually come and eat those animals. And there was 500 plus cases of this in some of the the documents that you had released from the government. And there's things written here like shark bitten in half, shark mauled, only half carcass on hook, bitten in half, just examples of animals caught in the nets being eaten by bigger sharks that weren't caught. Yeah, so we we originally found that through. So we'd been told this happens and we're like, okay, how often does this actually happen? We went looking through the the shark control program's data and were just blown away with with how many instances there is of predation on a on a smaller shark that's been caught or in some cases on a large shark. Like there's big tiger sharks that are that are, have a very large bite out of them that by jaw size uh, must be a very large great great white. So we are we are absolutely without a doubt bringing sharks closer to shore either to investigate the bait then they don't take the hook or because there is already a shark caught or another animal caught rays that, that get entangled or predated on as well um that they come in to investigate that and and they will take a bite out of the animal or half the animal and then they leave they don't get hooked now you've got a shark in an aroused feeding state a large shark 500 meters or closer to a surf break or to a, to a swimming beach. It's crazy. And just to go back to the other point that you made uh, at the start there is they are fundamentally chumming right near beaches. Now, if I applied for a cage diving permit and I wanted to chum for sharks and the location I marked on a, marked on a map when I apply for government approval was 500 metres from a swimming beach, that would not get approved. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. Imagine just putting in that approval and then just being like, but you guys do it, why can't I? Exactly, right? It's that crazy. Like that's that's kind of the best way I've, I've been able to find to explain to people just how stupid this is. Like imagine rocking up, dropping a cage in the water, start chumming for, for white sharks 500 metres from a swimming beach. That's literally what this government program is. And just to go back to that bycatch, uh, Tell me about some of the stuff that isn't meant to get caught in these nets but still gets caught in these nets. Yeah, absolutely. So the, probably the most, I guess, iconic one, the one that grabs the most attention, the one that gets news coverage is whales. So humpback whales migrate up and down uh, the, the New South Wales and Queensland coastline each year. Every year, quite a lot get entangled in these nets. Occasionally, every few years, one will drown and die. Uh, minky whales as well. So uh, those are the ones that really get the public pissed off. They see these iconic, beautiful animals that we use for tourism. We have whale-watching tours. They're on posters, and, and then they're getting entangled in a net that's put there by the government for allegedly for safety. We know it's for a false sense of security. That gets people really, really emotive. Um, in Queensland, they, they're top set, so they get entangled and, and uh, it's very visible to news cameras. In New South Wales, they're bottom set, so the entanglements, they're generally breaking the nets in New South Wales and, and self-releasing, but sometimes they do need a release. Uh, to, then from there, there's dolphins. So for, if, if I could use an example, when they 
the New South Wales nets would run from Wollongong to all the way through all the Sydney beaches up to Newcastle. A few years ago, after a series of, of um, shark bite incidents in northern New South Wales, they trialled nets up in northern New South Wales. Um, those nets wiped out about a third, I believe, about 30% of a tod- pod of dolphins that, that, that live in that particular area. So the mayor of, uh, the mayor of Ballina, um, there's a quote somewhere on our Instagram page. We did a, we did a, we did a, um, a, a post out of this. Uh, the, I think it was the mayor of Ballina. It might be, might be someone else. I can't exactly remember, but it was, a, it was a, basically a local politician said that we've decimated the local pod of dolphins and that's something I feel great shame about. So um, I believe it was a local council, so they weren't actually responsible for putting the nets there. The state government put these in. Uh, so dolphins get caught regularly, and, and not not just one or two. Like they can get caught in scale to the to the point where they wipe out a good chunk of the pod. And for anyone who knows about dolphins, they're, they're social, and that pod is really important to them. Um, there's rays, everything from uh, spotted eagle rays to to big beautiful manta rays, which again we use for tourism here. Turtles. Uh, Beautiful turtles get entangled in these and often drown. It, it, the list just goes on. Imagine any any well-known, beautiful marine animal that lives in Queensland or New South Wales waters gets entangled and killed by these programs. Which, like you said, is, is such a huge part of tourism and everybody loves them and everybody loves seeing them and swimming with them. But then the, same, the exact same people are like, Ah, uh, we're scared of sharks. Put up a net. We won't question anything, and then just ignores it. Like it's just so insane, and and we know that it's having an impact on sharks as well. So the shark populations have been decimated since the program began in 2017. There was a study that shows a 70 to 90 percent decline of sharks on the east coast of Australia, which is just insane. And has it kind of helped prevent shark attacks in Australia? No, not really. We had a really tragic death only a few weeks ago at a beach with, do you know how many drumlines are at that beach? Yeah, so it's uh, there's a row of, I want to say either eight or ten. There's six and there's another two or there's eight and then another two. It's either six or eight drumlines and two nets are in. It's the most densely drumlined part of the country. If you look at one square kilometre, it's more densely packed with drumlines than anywhere else in the entire country and someone gets bit there which is just crazy and and i think that's the first thing that i always hear you hear about this for the people listening whenever you hear about this in the media or the radio or anything anything even you're like you know you're 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 more developed usually environmental stations or papers or radios they're usually like oh but they they work because there's been no attacks but that's not true is it not at all. No, no. There's been there's been over sixty shark bite incidents at so called protected beaches. I hate buying into their ter- terminology, so we'll say netted or drumline beaches. Um, yeah, there's been over sixty bites, and and the reason that they even cling on to the 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 I guess the idea that these could possibly work is that only. Three of those now, it was two uh, before that incident you referenced, three of those now have been fatalities. Um, so they cling on to that low number of fatalities as the, as the evidence that these programs work. When it's not true, that's just deceitful. There's actually been sixty over 60 incidents at these beaches. So that's wildly ineffective at preventing bites. 
the reason only three have been fatalities, and this is a point you actually make in the film, so I'm regurgitating your own information <laughs> back to you. <laughs> the purpose of the purpose of this, I'll roll with it. Um, you'll probably say it much better than me. But the reason those have not turned into fatalities is quick medical intervention. So where you have nets and drum lines, you also have lifeguard towers, and you have people trained in first aid, and you have people who can apply tourniquets and ambulances that can come and and help people. That's why only three out of those over sixty. Um, incidents there's not been more fatalities uh so really by saying that's because of your program if you're the queensland minister for fisheries or the new south wales minister for fisheries to say that's because of your program is really deceitful and it's quite disgusting i think in that you're taking credit from the people that actually saved lives in those 60 something incidents and those are lifeguards those are first responders so it's very very it's a very very deceitful yeah. political maneuvering to try and claim credit for something you actually had nothing to do with in fact you probably caused yeah some of that yeah because a you're baiting sharks close to shore and b even more dangerous than that you're giving people a false sense of security to enter the ocean with so they don't take their own precautions so th- that sort of messaging that they put out is is really disgusting and to be honest i'm surprised that that no one has taken legal action on that someone swimming at a so-called protected beach that got bitten um i'm surprised no one's actually taken that further with the government because they do provide such huge false sense of security whilst simultaneously chumming the waters it sounds like you've got a really beautiful relationship with our our government officials um (laughs) i can tell there's a lot of um respect for them in your (laughs) voice i mean it's hard it's hard when you know what we now know it's just, it's really, how we're making this film and putting all this information together. How many moments did you just want to slam your head into a table? Oh, countless, <laughs> countless. I think the one beautiful thing about this project is that it's kind of brought a bunch of different organisations and, and different people together, and they all have a different way of approaching it. So I think you and I, Pip, we're probably both on the... Uh, on the more aggressive side where we kind of say it how it is and and if the government's lying to people and endangering people we will say exactly that on the other side you've got some organizations some not-for-profits that need to tread a little more carefully and they work in that political sphere and and and, and they approach things more softly and and i think that's that that's kind of working and you've got people who have a good enough relationship with fisheries um who can go and sit down with them and have a chat whilst you've got other people who just call it how it is. They, 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 they put all the fisheries dirty laundry out on social media and, and, and say it how it is. And then there's people in the middle. And I think that's working. And, and like we have a, a adopted the voice of, of uh, being more on the aggressive side. Other organizations try and uh, be a little bit more reserved and work with those politicians in those spheres. Yeah. And together, I think it's all kind of bubbling away. And I feel some inertia building. I feel some momentum. Might be. Um, I might be kidding myself, but I feel something happening. And uh, yeah, for me though, I, I don't, I don't think I could play that other role very well of um, going and playing nice with these people that are just doing. Well, like you said, we need we need all those sides, and I'm pretty sure there's a dartboard at Fisheries with you and my photo on it. So I don't think we're going in there for a meeting anytime soon. Um, I hope so too. That'd be rad. But yeah, I think that's definitely, that is a good side of it. And I want to know, I, w- I want to get, let's get a little more personal now. Um, 
it's 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 time for that time in the podcast where we just take things a touch more personal. Um, before this, how much experience had you had in shark conservation? Zero. So absolutely none. Um, I have dived and enjoyed the ocean. Uh, well, dived for probably the last seven, eight years. Always enjoyed the ocean, even from when I was a kid. Always had a bit of a fascination for for, uh, for sharks. Like I remember going to an aquarium as a little kid, and they swim over you in the tunnel, and I thought that was like the coolest thing. Um, some schools used to go and have like sleepover excursions in there, and our school never did, and I was always really dirty about that. Never got to <laughs> sleep under the sharks. Um, down to like dumb stuff of like my favorite pool toy as a kid at home was like this this great white, this inflatable great white. And, like there's always been this love for the ocean and. Uh, Love the ocean and fascination with sharks. Uh, Do you still have that pool toy, like at your house now? A funny, funny, you should ask. <laughs> oh, no. My dad, uh, my dad just moved out of what was my childhood home, so we'd he'd been there for uh, how old am I? Thirty three. He'd been there for thirty five years, and he just moved out a few weeks ago. And I was helping him pack, and I found it. And uh, yes, I have it now, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah so there's 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 just always been this this i think this thing bubbling away under the surface but my whole adult life or career i think i've really i've been a business guy i've always um spotted an opportunity in a market or a niche as to to uh where something could be done better or a problem i could solve for customers and uh i've gone and done that and built a business out of those things uh and that just started feeling as enjoyable as it is and as satisfying it is. Like you, 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 it's kind of a creative process building a business. Like you picture how you want things to be and then you have to create that. You have to go get customers and build systems and build processes and blah, blah, blah. As enjoying as that was, it started to feel hollow and it also felt hollow mm-hmm. at the same time simultaneously as I was becoming more and more aware of these issues through watching Shark Water, through following people like yourself, through following Sea Shepherd. Um, campaign that specifically works on nets and drum lines. So there's kind of there's a lot going on in that I wasn't feeling that fulfilled. Simultaneously, I was getting more and more angry about what we're doing to our planet and specifically our oceans. And then eventually, I don't know how or why, but I just thought I think the best way I can have impact here is to make a feature-length, high-quality documentary about this particular issue, um, which like you said, hadn't hadn't been covered to this extent before. And I feel like if, again, I, I approached it with that problem-solving brain. I'm like, I know that public wouldn't be okay with this. How would you make the public aware and pissed off about this? Because I think that's what could end the program. And documentary filmmaking is what is what kind of I saw as the way to bridge that gap. So we'll find out if I'm right or not. And I just think it's a really cool story because everybody just, I don't know, everybody tends to get this impression sometimes that in order to do what someone like myself does, you have to go do marine biology and have this involvement in this and do this and this. But you're just a normal business dude and you just decided to do this with what you had and because you're passionate about it and you didn't need that background training experience whatever you know you just went and did it um and speaking of background training uh your first time diving with me on a shark net was was really <laughs> interesting wasn't it oh no oh no <laughs> yes 
Can we please tell this story? I'm going to tell the whole story. You know what? Fuck it. I've said enough, like, incriminating stuff on this podcast. You can tell this part of the story. This, this just to be clear, this, uh, this series of events happened um, <laughs> prior to the 20-meter exclusion zone, just to be yes, clear, okay. before you start. Disclaimer. When this happened, we were technically allowed to do it. Um, Andre, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say, Andre got stuck in a shark net. It was really funny. Um, we were out there filming. No, um, <laughs> we were out Go there on. filming, and Dre just got like a little bit tangled. Which you know, it's understandable. If dolphins and turtles can do it, so can Andre. Um, easy mistake. He got a little bit tangled in a shark net. I had to pick it up from around his head. He was fine. Happy ending. It was all. It was all okay. But I just thought that that was a great story to tell um, because even you have felt the fear that animals get caught feel when they're in the shark net. Dedication to the shot. That's what that was. Yeah. And a poor choice wetsuit and, and wrong amount of weight. And, uh, yeah, the, the situation storm. just out as it hoped. And, uh, it, but um, all's well that ends well, right? So, well, kind of. Uh, then we got back on the boat and then <laughs> – because we were on a quite a distinctive boat, and this was one of the few times that we'd out been out there to actually film near the nets. And I remember our captain got a phone call, and I remember swimming back to the boat, and he's like trying to talk down some fisheries officer, and he was telling him, "No, no, no, they just they just saw a whale, and they just thought that maybe there was a whale in the shark net." So, in the time that we were in the water, because for those of you that don't know the Gold Coast, where these nets are, there's lots of high rise buildings on the beach, lots of people live on the beach. People actually watch the nets, and if they see someone out there like ourselves, usually the people out there are conservationists who want to film the poor dead animals that get stuck in the nets. And if they see this, they will literally dob you in to the principal. They call fisheries, and fisheries immediately call. I was surprised. Like the fact that their response time to us being on the nets was so quick that, and then you compare that to how long it takes them to get out there to release a whale that's stuck in the nets. I think th- this is this is a really important point to make because when people see what's going on, they generally get angry and they want to do something, right? And the tempting thing is, like, I've heard comments of, like, why don't people go out there and cut the nets out or why don't people go out there and do this or do that or debate the hooks or whatever it might be. And, and I think the thing to be hyper-aware of is, A, that's not legal. I think I should probably say that. But, B... Um, you're right. There's 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 nosy nanas in high rise, especially on the Gold Coast, that will just call and dob you in immediately. Um, whether you're doing something wrong or not, like even even people who are just there documenting, just filming near the equipment, um, which now is illegal because of the 20 meter exclusion zone, which is a whole other story we can go into. But yeah, like there, there's there's people there that will just happily dob you in. I mean, the flip side of that is they also, I don't know if they're the same people or different people, but people do also call in whale entanglements and stuff like that. But, yeah, I do feel like fisheries are much faster to respond uh, to a conservationist near a piece of equipment than they are to a whale in in a piece of equipment. Mm -hmm. So we could have potentially gotten into a lot of trouble that day. the fines now, what what are the fines for being near a shark net? So I'm talking in round numbers here. So this is not to the dollar, but uh, within a 20-metre exclusion zone in Queensland of either a shark net or a drum line, just for being in that space, you're not doing anything, you're not touching anything, you're not releasing anything, you're not damaging anything, $22,000 fine, up to $22,000 fine. Um, 
then if you then touch stuff, if you were to debate something or cut a net, that falls under a different part of the Fisheries Act. Uh, and that one is over $66,000 fine. So technically, if you're within, you, you swim into the zone, $22,000, you then go and mess with some equipment um, to release an animal or whatever it might be. It doesn't matter. You could be saving an animal's life, potentially $66,000. So $88,000 uh, and change would be your running tab for uh, freeing an animal that is dying in a shark net. And look, there's some really, really interesting things about this that I want to talk to you about, about why these laws are in place, but I'm going to leave it for people to watch the film. But let me just say, when you do watch the film, there is a really horrific, heart-wrenching scene that explains why this exclusion zone is in place, and it just enrages you. So that'll be a surprise for people. Uh, Right now, Andre, I'm on your website, which is envoyfilm.com.au, And I'm looking at the gallery. Now, on your website, you've put up a bunch of photos of animals that have been caught. So these photos are actually taken by the fishermen that are contracted by the government to basically clean the shark nets, fix them, um, make sure that they're baited. And I'm looking at all the images that they've taken, and I'm seeing sharks cut open. I'm seeing sharks that have been finned. I'm seeing... Sharks that have had their bellies cut and babies are spilt all over the deck. I'm seeing protected species. I'm seeing endangered species. I'm seeing harmless sharks. I'm seeing baby sharks. And there's turtles and there's dolphins and there's just so much horrific content on here. How did you get these images? So, first of all, that that gallery is up there, and that's only one year. So that's only 2019 images. That's all we've done a done a um, a request for, which I'll explain in a minute. Um, uh, but yeah, that's only one year. So all the horrific stuff you see going going on there, like you got to times that by ten for what's gone over the last decade, and times that by even more for what's gone over the history of this program. It's it's monumental in scale. So what we did and how we got it. Well, the idea was actually. From you, uh, you had done a freedom of informa- information request to the Queensland government for images and videos related to their shark net operations. When? In 2013-ish? 2013, 2014? Does that sound right? Yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah. So so um, when when we you know did the interview with you and shot, shot with you for this film, you mentioned that, and it was not something that had occurred to, to, to me to do. So... Thank you for that. And I've also spoken to other organizations that work in this space and, and are involved in the film. And we've all kind of, everyone's kind of looked around at each other going, how did none of us think of this yet? This is brilliant. <laughs> so, so, I'll wait so, for my thank you letter in the mail. Give me some credit. Dropped out of school, everybody. Dropped out of school. Can't spell for shit. Here we go. I just need to give myself a tiny little hype up here. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is why it needs to be a team effort and everyone working together. But you're totally right. I don't know how I got that idea, but for the people listening that might not know this, FOI basically, freedom of information. So you can um, ask the government for documents, images in this case, something that has been captured by government employees or doing a government program. It takes It's a process. It takes a lot of paperwork, a lot of money. I remember spending all my savings on it when I did it, um, but I really wanted to see what they what they were catching and, and you know have that stuff so it was it was definitely worth it and it was worth it for you clearly yeah absolutely so you you kindly gave us what you had which we which we'd used 
and then I was like, we need to do our own as well and see what 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 more modern stuff up there are because back then, like a lot of the shots you got were on awful cameras or phones that had n- not very good quality at the time or like a GoPro One or something. That's what that's what you got, and I thought technology's come a long way. I feel like the images that we could get now would be equally impactful but better quality, which makes it easier for us to use. Um, uh, so, yeah, we did our own. Uh, we did all of 2019 catch images for Queensland and New South Wales. We got those back, and as you described, there's some pretty horrific stuff in there. There's 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 lots of dead dolphins on decks of boats. There's turtles. There's There's shark after shark after shark. We're talking protected species, which I don't know if we want to go into the legalities or not, but, but no one else is allowed to kill these sharks, um, such as a white shark or a grey nurse shark, but these programs are because of a loophole in the Environmental Act. So there's some horrific images there. What we've also done, which is actually uh, probably news to you, Pip, is that um, we repeated that Freedom of Information Inquiry. Now, they're called different things in different states. Uh, in um, in New South Wales, it's called a GIPA inquiry. That's sort of ac- some sort of government acronym standing for something. In uh, in Queensland, it's an RTI or an RFI, request to information or request for information, something. So they have different uh, they have different terminology in each state, but essentially it's a freedom of information request, which is where you go to the government, you ask for certain documents, and unless it unless they have a very very compelling reason not to they have to hand it all over now we've just done another one for video for that same period so you're looking at all the 2019 photos and for anyone listening there uh on the website you can go have a look at them uh we've also done one for video we literally just yesterday uh got our first one through uh which is new south wales and there's not a lot of video not the same amount of volume they have to take photos i don't think they have to take video they they do it a lot more rarely but we still got a decent amount of videos through, and there's some there's some interesting stuff in there. So we'll release that in in due time. But there's, uh, yeah, there's there's sharks being thrown back in from the deck. God, God knows how long they've been on the deck. That's not part of the video. That don't swim off. They just sink, and you can hear some chatter amongst fisheries officers. They'll be like, "There you go, swimming off." It's like, uh, doesn't look like swimming off to me. So keep an eye out, basically, and and wait for this horrific stuff to to be released. More is coming. Yeah, so we'll drop it. We've also got one. So they're New South Wales videos we just got. We've also got a 2019 request in for Queensland videos. So that we'll get that at some point. I think they are. They had a deadline in December. They ask for an extension, which you can't really decline. They ask for an extension till January. So we'll be getting more videos in January. So yeah, we're going to keep like the film's done and the film's out now. But we're going to keep trickling this information out because. Uh, we've got to keep it topical and we've got to keep new stuff coming out. And uh, yeah, that that. Yeah, actually being on the boat with a fisheries crew to see how they treat these animals and, and just from their chatter, like you can hear how they think and what they do and it, it's it's going to be interesting. So I'll share that with you shortly and then uh, everyone else can just keep an eye out and uh, and uh, it'll, it'll come out in due time. I do want to say on behalf of everybody listening as well, I'm sure, thank you for making sure that nothing that they do goes unseen and that they can no longer hide behind anything and that everything that they do is going to be exposed to the public. And thank you for that, for going to all the trouble of, of having that stuff sorted and seeked out so that we can we can show people. And it's important because, as I keep reminding people, if you're Australian, 
you know, it's it's your money that's funding this. This is like a government thing. This is taxpayer money putting drumlines in to hook and kill sharks, killing whales and dolphins and turtles. Yeah, absolutely. It has to be seen and, and, and like, you know, we've touched on it a few times now, but but when when this program is seen for what it is, which these freedom of information requests show, which which the doc the, the documentary shows, when it's when it's actually laid bare for what it is, there's not many people that stand for it um, at all, and and especially which which you know we we haven't really touched on that much yet is when you talk about its ineffectiveness because if if you were to say okay this program's effective uh, you know no one ever gets hurt at these pro- at these beaches where we run these programs uh, and we have to kill a few sharks and dolphins and whales and rays to make it happen you, you can't get baited into that argument because then it becomes a philosophical argument of of human life versus even, animal even life. Even then, it's it's questionable. Even then, of it's, questionable. it's questionable. But we don't like, even oh, have the ability to say that right now. Right now, we have actual proof. We have government employees making comments about the ineffectiveness of this program to protect people, which exactly is just right. so insane. And what I want to know is why why don't Australians know about this? it's it's that way by design they don't want you to see this they know how horrific this program is they know that it does not look good they know that an entangled leopard shark which is harmless and and is a tourism draw card you know stradbroke island people people dive with leopard sharks they know the look of that entangled in a net dead or dying is a bad look they know that a manta ray in a net is a bad look they know that they, they know that it looks horrible and it cannot be justified. It cannot be justified for – it can't even be justified for true safety, uh, you could argue, but it doesn't provide true safety. So it definitely can't be justified for a false sense of security. Yeah. And they know that. So they operate under uh, they under uh, operate under operate a veil of secrecy because they know it's the only way that this program can continue without public outcry. And they've done quite well at doing that and keeping it hidden. Until um, now. And- Motherfuckers. Until now, so we're, we're here to change it. We're here to change it. I, I, I really, that's the only reason for making this film is to create change, and I hope it does because once it's all laid bare, there is not a there is not a normal human being, you know, unless unless you're someone who goes shark trophy fishing on the weekend, like like that small section of the community put aside, all of the rest of society will see this for what it is and go, no, 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 this is not okay. I, okay. I really hate to say this, but um, I even remember, because as you know, I'm I'm friends with Mark the Shark, who's probably like the greatest example of everything that's wrong with society when it comes to shark fishing. And even he thinks this is stupid. And then in Australia, we've got Vic Hislop, you know, he's our version yes. of Mark the Shark. He's the craziest, most passionate hunter of sharks. Like he wants them gone and he hates the shark nets. Yeah, exactly. I remember you telling me the story, and it never—it um, didn't make the cut of the film. I can't remember whether it was even on camera. We were discussing it, or just while we were chatting. But yeah, probably that, not because that... he doesn't—he still doesn't know who I am. But I still have like a line of communication open with him. But he—you yeah. know—he wants sharks dead. He's responsible for catching some of the biggest, oldest sharks in Australia and and great whites. And that was his whole life's work is to kill them. And he sat down. He's like, these shark nets are horrible. All they do is kill dolphins and whales and they bring sharks in. They chump for sharks and they're ridiculous. So to hear it, not only from, you know, tree hugging greenies like myself, but people like Vic Hislop to oppose this kind of stuff. Like what more does the government need to be honest? 
Look, and then and then even let's let's talk about the the court case where Humane Society International (HSI) took Queensland Fisheries to court over the drumline use in the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park. On the stand, Daryl McPhee, uh, who is part of the Fisheries Scientific Working Group, he he he, he works with Fisheries on this program. He said. It was the, that it was supposed to be fisheries star witness. It's like, okay, we'll get this, we'll get this shark scientist who's who's friendly to us. He's in our scientific working group. We'll put him on the stand, and he can justify these drum lines in the Great Barrier Reef, and we'll win the case. He on the stand said there is no evidence that drum lines keep people safe. Specifically about drum lines when you when when for the Great Barrier Reef case, there's no nets in there. And he also said if you took them out tomorrow, there would be no increase in shark incidents. That, that is allegedly the government's star witness saying, out and out, this program does not work. And then you've got people who hate sharks saying, not only does this program not work, this program's dumb and actually brings sharks closer to shore. Like, what more do you need? The, the whole thing is just political posturing. It's the only reason this stuff's still in the water because no one has the balls to go, okay, we put it in in 1937 in New South Wales. We put it in in 1962 in Queensland. We've learned since then that it's kind of bullshit. Doesn't work. Let's get it out of the water. Let's put more effective technologies in. The only reason that's not happening is the lack of balls that any politician has to make that decision. Because if something happens and you replace drum lines at a certain beach, say in North Queensland, with a shark enclosure with a barrier. And then, and then, which we've costed all that out, by the way. We know exactly how much it costs to modernise the shark control program. The politician that makes that call, if some idiot then goes and swims outside that barrier and gets bitten, it'll blow back on them. And they're more concerned about the next election in four years than they are in anything else. So that's the only reason it doesn't, it's, it's not happening, is political fear, lack of political courage and political posturing. Like that, that's the reality here. But when you've got your own expert witness saying it doesn't work, and you just stick your fingers in your ears and hum so you don't hear it. Like, yeah, We're used crazy. to it. It's been there for a long time. It's not being noticed. So the best chance that we have is for people to fight back and actually say and do something about this once all this information is released, which is what we're hoping for. Um, and so the last thing that I want to talk to you about, just briefly, because there's so much information out there on this, and I encourage people to go look at your website and all the information, which I will include in the podcast notes. but. The alternatives to shark nets are not far and few. There are several way better alternatives to what we have right now. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's it's part of the documentary. When I first when we first started digging into this issue, it wasn't actually gonna be uh, part of the film. We were just gonna expose the program for what it is and kinda and kinda leave it there. Uh, but then we quickly realized that that would not be telling the full story. The full story also is exactly what you just touched on. The full story shows that while we're still doing this, while we're still sticking our head in the sand and pretending that this program works, here's all the, here's all the technologies that we're ignoring. And they can be t- personal deterrents that you wear or you, you put on the what's, bottom of your server. What's your favorite one out of all of oh, them? I, I really I, I struggle with this question because – you know, if you say you have a favorite one, it kind of it kind of makes it sound like I think that's the silver bullet. So I'll tell you, but I'll also say that I'm Disclaimer, not saying. Disclaimer, everybody: this is not actually Andre's favorite. Just like it's just like the way that you say that I'm technically not your favorite character in the film because you're not allowed to have a favorite, but we all know that it's me. 
<laughs> oh dear. Uh, so there's no silver bullet is the disclaimer. When I say what my favorite is, it will not work in all conditions and no solution works in all conditions. But the important thing to remember is there is a solution for all let's conditions. Just, let's just like, let's just preface that by saying that right now there's absolutely no shark nets or drum lines at the beach in the Gold Coast, everybody, because yesterday they just took them out because we've got a severe weather warning this weekend. So I just want to chuck that in there. So even the shark nets have, have come out when we have bad weather. So continue. Yeah, exa- exactly right. And, and I bet you they're not closing beaches. So if they're confident enough to keep beaches open with no shark control equipment in there, you can you can be rest assured that it actually does nothing. So I really like drone technology or where it can go and the amount of development that is still to come. So right now they work. They're an effective shark mitigation measure. They're using them in New South Wales. They still have nets, but they're also using drone technology. Uh, and it can spot a shark. A trained operator can identify what species of shark that is make a decision whether to clear the water or not. They have a siren on them. They can go hover above the shark so everyone knows visually where the shark is and they can clear the water. They are brilliant. Um, They can also, if you have a bigger drone, they can also dual purpose. Now, they can carry flotation devices, drop flotation devices for drowning victims. Now, that's actually going to save more lives too while we're on the topic because, because nearly 300 people a year drown in Australia. This year, this year is obviously a spike in shark bite fatalities, but usually we have one to two shark bite fatalities per year in Australia. So one to two um, versus, statistically speaking, historically speaking, one to two versus uh, nearly 300 drowning victims. Like that drone's going to do more good from being able to drop that flotation device than, than by spotting sharks in, in terms of raw numbers of people it can save. But people are scared of sharks. We need to mitigate the risk of shark bite. I get that. Drones are fantastic for that. They can go further in terms of eventually they'll be autonomous. You won't need a human pilot flying it. They'll be able to stay in the air for longer. They'll be able to do bigger distances. They'll also, this, this AI technology is already being developed where a human eye won't need to spot it on the, on the drone controller screen and, and figure out what species of shark it is. AI software will be able to do it. So it'll draw a box around it. It'll know it's a white shark. That already exists. It's it's being developed. Uh, it's being refined. So the drone technology is cool because, A, it works right now, and it's better than shark nets and drum lines right now. The, the other reason I love it is that it's got so much development left in it in that it, it is going to get better and better and better. So uh, for those reasons, I really like drone technology. However, you are limited by water quality. So up in north Queensland, uh, for example, it's it's you know more turbid water it might not work as well and then there's always other solutions up there so in north queensland you've got poorer water quality but you've got very 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 calm water so you can easily install swimming enclosures eco shark barriers are perfect for north queensland they actually go from the surface of the water to the to the sea floor they actually create an enclosure they actually physically separate sharks from people and they're perfect for north queensland so whilst drone might not work up there these barriers absolutely will. And what better way to mitigate the risk of shark than by physically separating them from people? Uh, and then there's a whole bunch of other solutions as well. There's, there is a different barrier that's available that uh, comes out of South Africa. It biomimics kelp. Uh, so it can be deployed in rougher waters, such as southeast Queensland, and again, create a physical barrier between sharks and swimmers or surfers. Um, so there's so many technologies out there 
And we also need to talk about education, which is a, which is a big one that uh, again you talk about in the film. Which is let's stop pretending these animals don't exist. Let's let's stop sticking our head in the sand. Let's stop giving a false sense of security. Let's actually educate educate people about it because then they can make you know an educated decision and a proper risk assessment on. Uh, it's just been raining. I'm right near a uh, right near a river mouth. There's a lot of outflow, and it's at sunset. Do I actually want to get the water it's or not? It's the only way. It is the only way is is like that individual education because no matter what, even if we culled so many sharks that there's only 1% of the population left, which we kind of already have done in some places, then you still run the risk of that negative interaction. So it's absolutely the only way. Yeah, exactly right. So stop stop giving people a false sense of security. Give people the tools to make their own decisions and if you feel the need as a government, put real solutions in place, not, not you know, yeah. 80 years Yeah, and, like, stuff. let's remember, everybody, the fact that we have to share the ocean with sharks when we're surfing is kind of what makes it so rad. Like, I just feel like it's, it's, it's a huge part of what we do, and the further that we attempt to separate ourselves from stuff like that with, with things like nets and drumlines, then the more at risk that we actually are. And I, I think this film is... Super important also for the people that surf or have been affected or know someone that has been affected by sharks because it's going to show you that the government does not have your best interest at heart and that is a big thing people need to realise. So, Dre, for everybody listening, how can we watch the film? Okay, so if you're in Australia right now, it is available in cinemas. Uh, You can check out our screenings page on our website uh, or you can actually also host your own screening. So if you're an organisation or even an individual, uh, you can go to fanforce.com. I think it's a hyphen in there, fan-force.com. They are our screening partner. So what you can do on there is you can go and you can request uh, to host a screening. So you say what cinema you'd like to hold it at, you can pick your date, you can pick your, t- pick your time. And then the cool thing about that platform is basically they'll put up the screening, they'll book the cinema for you, they do all the hard work, then you go, you go and sell the tickets to your audience, whoever you are, individual or organisation. If you sell enough tickets, the screening goes ahead. If you don't sell enough tickets to the point where it would cost money to hold the screening, uh, it's cancelled and it costs you nothing. You walk away scot-free. So it's a really cool platform. So for anyone interested in this, uh, in Australia or New Zealand, you can actually even put your own screening on in a cinema, which is really cool. We're also hosting our own, like I said, screenings page on our website. And then other than that, stay tuned for uh, streaming news. So uh, we are... Uh, we've got deals uh, throughout Europe. We're doing deals at the moment for American, the American Territory. We're doing deals at the moment for the Australian Territory. Uh, so basically, yeah, we're doing rights deals in all the key territories where all our amazing fans are um, who want to see this film. And it'll be early 2021. It'll be on streaming in uh, all key markets. So, yeah, that is basically where you can see it, how you can see it. And, yeah, I hope people enjoy from it, learn from it. And the most important thing is then take action after it. Is, is there's a call to action at the end of our film. There's an Act Now page on our website. There's no point just watching it and then feeling feeling sad for Australia's marine life. We really need to do something and make some noise and, like, proper noise, not just a little bit. Uh, it, it, it's such an overwhelming thing to, to fight against that we need, we need numbers and we need voices. So make sure you act after you see it too. Amazing. And also make sure you take someone that needs to go see it. Like perhaps your grandmother who might have been 
the cranky grandmother that dobbed me in when we were on the shark nets to fisheries might be a good option. But take someone that needs to see this film is is the biggest thing. Someone that has no idea what's going on, that puts all their faith in the government and just thinks that sharks need to be killed. Take them to go see it because it's going to change their mind. I second that. I think what what really has been the most, because uh, all our premiere screenings we had Q&As out and people stayed afterwards for a chat. And I think the thing that really... I guess, I guess gave me the most amount of sense of satisfaction or sense of pride is those people that came up to me after. It was like, I had no idea this was going on. I had no idea what a shark net was. I just believed what they told us. I cannot believe what I've just learned. I'm so angry. That gives me the most sense of satisfaction, more so than people already love the ocean. They, they, they kind of already know about the issue and, they, and they, they watch the film. That's not to say don't watch the film if that's you. And that's not to say I don't appreciate your support. But when you take someone who literally has no clue about this issue and you open their eyes and yeah. you shock them, that yeah. is like, to me, that's, that's why we made it. And now we just need to go do it at scale. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for putting the effort in to make this film, for reaching out to me, offering me a red and allowing me to be part of this film, for getting stuck in a shark net and revealing your true self during the making of this film. And I cannot wait to see what you guys come up with next because I know this won't be the last amazing film you make. And thank you for taking the time to chat with your favorite character from the film on this podcast today. Thank you, Pip. I really appreciate everything you do. I appreciate everything you gave to this film, um, your time, you, you constantly sharing stuff and, and talking about this issue. Uh, it's, yeah, you, you've, you've made it. You've really made it what it is, and I thank you so much for that. And uh, I think uh, the only other thing I'd touch on is that stuck in is probably slightly emotive language. I'd say more slightly entangled uh, would be more appropriate <laughs> for the shot. For the shot. For the, for the net incident uh, and yeah other than that uh, thank you so much for having me on I hope uh, I hope everyone enjoyed listening to this and uh, yeah check out the film when it's on streaming platforms near you or in cinemas perfect thank you have a good day Andre thanks thanks